This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. We're talking about just say yes to Jesus. And I would like us to uh, start right here reading a little foundation, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For everyone. Now, what percentage is everyone? 100%. 100%. This is talking about all. It says everyone, 100%. All have sinned. And the word sin, it means to miss the mark. So if you were playing basketball and there was a goal up there, a goal, and you shot it and you missed the basket, that's the equivalent of sin. That's the definition of sin, to miss the mark. You fall short of hitting the mark that God gave for you to hit. That's what he's talking about. For everyone, all of us, have sinned, and we all, what percentage is that all? 100%. And we all fall short. We all fall short. We don't hit the basket. We don't hit the target. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's what he says in his word. And here in Romans 6, 23. For the wages. Uh, the, the wages. And that means, you know, what you've got coming. You know, what, what you've earned. What you deserve. And the scripture is still talking about the same thing we read in Romans 3, 23. But he says, for the wages. Of sin is death. And, and the wages of sin. That, he says it's death. This is a second death. This is talking about Permanent separation from God. And it also means permanent separation from your loved ones if they believe in Christ, but you don't. If you choose not to say yes to Jesus, and your loved ones who've already passed on said yes to Jesus and they were believers, they're already in heaven awaiting us all. But if if you choose not to believe in Jesus, you know, and, and sin is controlling your life, you'll never see them again. I'm just saying what the Bible says. I didn't make this up. And he says here, for the wages of sin is death. That's wages. That's because of what you deserve. <laughs> you know, the wages of sin is death. But he goes on, he says, but the free gift, this ain't wages. This is something you don't earn. In any possible way, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift. The wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. <clears throat> he forgives us and he surely wants us to accept that. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 27 and 28 says, Can a man scoop a flame into his lap? <laughs> And not have his clothes catch on fire. Now, I was wanting to illustrate this. I'm going to go out and grab this shovel that's full of red hot charcoal. And I just want someone to come and sit on the end of the dock. And I'm going to dump that in their lap. So I'll be back in just a moment. Don't think so. But I need a volunteer first. <laughs> no volunteers? You're a wise lady. She called my bluff, you know. Because we know what the consequences of that is, don't we? Mm-hmm. We know what the consequences is. Let's read that again. Can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? Can he can't he, do that. 
Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? No, he can't do that. And he's telling us about this flame. The flame is as destructive as sin is to our life. And it has great destructiveness to it. It genuinely does. And listen to what he says here in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you. His arm is not weak. And, and there's times when you're reading the Bible, it talks about the Lord's right arm. You know, he's powerful and miraculous and he can do anything. But it says here, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call, to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Now, whether you've ever heard such a thing or know it or not, it's the truth. Your sin cuts you off from God. That's what repentance is talking about. So there's sin over there. And what God has called us to do, even for salvation, repentance means doing about face, turn from sin and turn to God and just say yes to Jesus. And accept his forgiveness and his pardon. But he says right here. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. And that's the sins that nobody else knows about in your life. That they're a secret to you. But you wonder, why aren't you as close to God as you want to be? Why aren't your prayers being answered the way you want them to be? Sin cuts us off from God. It genuinely does. Jesus, God's son, went to the cross before that, he took a horrible, horrible beating. Watch the movie called The Passion, and you'll see the most biblical rendition of that beating he took. And then he went to the cross, and his beard was ripped off his face, and he was driven, and his arms were driven through with stakes, you know, spikes, and his feet, and his side was pierced with a sword. And it was just horrible what he went through for you to forgive you of your sins. But sometimes we have this mentality that, well, sin ain't that big of a deal. But it was to God. And because sin would send you to hell. And it would separate you from him forever and ever. And Jesus came to this earth to die for your sins. It is a real big deal. Although people may play with sin now, ain't that big of a do. You know, God's going to forgive me, you know. Anyhow. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. If you feel like God's turned away and he's not listening to you anymore, how can he help other people but he's not helping me? Well, we need to evaluate what's going on in our life. And, and it could be that we just need to turn from sin. And we need to turn to God. And, and you have to make that choice. Is that something that you need to do in your own life? That's just something you have to decide upon. Uh, let me see here. Isaiah 59 again, but this is in the Message Bible. It says, look, listen, God's arm is not amputated. Do you think the devil can overthrow God? No. And he's not going to take his arm off. That's when he reaches out and helps you with. He's not going to affect almighty God's hearing. But he says, God's arm is not amputated. He can still save. God's ears are not stuffed up. He can still hear. There's nothing wrong with God. The wrong is in you. So if there's a problem going somewhere, it's not the problem with God. The issue is with us. With sin, maybe nobody else knows about it. And it might be something that you only barely consider a sin. 
Uh, but God says the problem is the wrong is with us. It's not with him. And, and God loves us genuinely, wants to forgive us, wants to pardon us, wants to answer our prayers. But there are conditions for all that. And he tells us repentance is genuinely the step before accepting him as our Savior and just saying yes to Jesus. We've got to turn from our sin and turn toward God. And he so wonderfully welcomes us. He genuinely does. There's nothing wrong with God. The wrong is in you. Your wrong-headed lives cause the split between you and God. Your sins got between you so that he doesn't hear. Now, this is God's word. Sin gets between you and God so you don't hear. And there's lots of things that could be happening in your life. There's lots of answers to prayer. There's lots of healing. There's lots of his blessings. And that we thwart them. We, 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 we block them from coming into our life because sin is very destructive. It genuinely is. That's why Jesus went to the cross for it. Well, that's what he says here in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Come now, let's settle this. Have you ever had an issue with somebody or something? You know, you just got a problem. Hey, come here. Let's just settle this thing here. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what God's saying. Let's just settle this thing right now. Let's just settle it. Let's, Let's just see and hear the truth of this issue. He says, Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins... And you remember what sin is. It's missing the mark. He says, though your sins are like scarlet. And he's referring to a color. And if you'll study this out, the word scarlet refers to a deep dye obtained from a small worm found on the leaves of an oak tree in the Mediterranean countries. The Hebrew word shana, from which shani scarlet is derived, it means a double. It means to duplicate. The idea is that if one's sins have been double dipped, I mean, th- their sin is really double dipped. You can never get the stain of that sin out. It's been double dipped in the dye of our scarlet color of the cuckoo's worm. And, 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 and they have fixed permanently. So if, if you double dip, you know, clothing and, and that particular color, you could never get it out. And it's referring to your sins. Even if they have been double dipped in this scarlet and it's impossible to get it out. He's saying here, if it's, if it's been that way, if our sins are confessed, they will become white as snow. Forgiven. The unforgivable sin, because you can't get the saint out, it can be gotten out. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. That's what Almighty God says. And then Jeremiah 31, verse 34. I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. God says, I will forgive their wickedness, and never, 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 ever remember their sins. That's what he's talking about. And wool that is double dip and, and this dye, and that's a sin-stained wool in hell, it's restored to its original whiteness once it's been 
confess and forgiven. Once you confess your sins to God. And just because you go, well, God forgives. Not if you don't confess it to him. He says, if you confess your sins to him, he forgives you. And he alone can remove that scarlet stain, that sin that seems impossible to get out. He can do that. And he will, if you confess your sins to him, is what he's talking about, then he will forgive you. And see, remission, remission, it means to pardon. It means to release. It means to absolve. It means to acquit. And see, sin is forgiven not so that we can continue on in sin, but that we might break loose from sin. Get free. Otherwise, it would be called permission and not be called remission. We're talking about remission of sins, a pardon. We're not looking for permission to sin. But there are a lot of people... And they feel like, well, where we're at in our world now, we're, we're not in those old times anymore. And that's sin and sin. And there are consequences to sin. And Jesus, going to that cross, he is the only one who can forgive and remove that sin from us. And if only the devil would give you permission to sin, whatever kind you want to call it. And, and you might think it's a wonderful thing, but there are horrendous consequences. The wages of sin is death, separation from God and from your loved ones who trust in God forever, permanent, ever separation. But God will forgive anybody who will call upon his name and they'll turn from their sin and they'll turn to him. And Jesus wants us just to say yes. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Should we? No. Verse goes, 2 says what? Of, of course, course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? We've, we've died to it. And we've been forgiven of it. We don't take this lightly. It's serious business. And it can totally, permanently separate us. And, and cause dire, difficult, problematic, miserable consequences in our life. But to turn from our sin, which means repentance, and turn to God can bring some of the most amazing and wonderful miracles in your life. I'm just telling you, that's just the promise of Almighty God. John 1.29 says, the next day, John... That's about John the Baptist. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He takes away the sins of the world. So, so it's no longer yours. Jesus takes away. He forgives your sin and he takes it away. And the Bible teaches us when God forgives our sin, he forgets it. He has no record of it. He really has no record of it whatsoever. Matthew 26, verse 28 says, For this is my blood of the New Testament. And, and, and this is talking about what we just did. We, we had communion a little earlier. We had a little piece of bread. And we had a little cup of uh, grape juice here. You know, and Jesus is saying here, For this is my body. My that, yeah, well, 
He started off, I'm sorry, he did start off with, with the, my body, and this is my blood, he says, of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the permission. No, remission. There's, there's a difference, is there not? There is. Not a permission to sin, but he shed his blood for the remission of sin, to pardon, to re- release, to absolve, to acquit uh, sin. And where he said, I will take it away from you. And Jesus set us free from that trap called sin, you know. Not so we can put our foot back in the trap, but to to stay free from that trap so we can serve him. And right here, I I had, I I bought, it it cost, I don't know, three, four hundred bucks, a trap once upon a time. A great big old bear trap, you know. And I've used it in vacation Bible adventures and all kinds of stuff. And I've been looking for it for two years. I, I think somebody stole it. If you're the one who stole it, be very careful. <laughs> it takes four, four grown men to set that trap. And it can break a two by four when you set it off. So you don't, it's not something to play with. And, but even more so, sin is not something you play with. That's right. God sets us free from sin. So it has no harmful miserable effect upon our body he sets us free so his blessings can be poured out upon our lives first peter chapter 2 verse 24 who his own self and when it says who him own self this is talking about who is jesus jesus his own self he didn't hire somebody to have what do they call that in the movies a double they didn't have jesus didn't hire somebody to go to the cross for him he didn't hire somebody to take the beating, you know, for him. It says, who him own self. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body. He bore our sins, all of us, because he was sinless. He's the only one who could do it. But he bore every one of you, your sins, whatever it might be, he bore it in his personal own body. This is not like, well, God just took care of it. Just to, no, Jesus endured it so you could go to heaven. Personal. Your name. He thought about you when he went to the cross. He bore your sin on his own body. There was no double. There, there was no other way around this. He bore your sin. He says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, the cross. We understand that. That, that we, right. being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. And righteousness. So we should live the right way. The essence of what he's saying. So we should live the right way. And that would be to live Christ-like. To follow the example he has set for us. Because we're dead to sin. Should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. Jesus had those stripes on his body. I think he'll probably have them stripes on his body in heaven. Not that he's hurting or in pain in any way, but so you'll remember he did that for you to set you free. And by what he did, you're forgiven of your sins, but he also says by the stripes he took your heels. That's what he said. You can claim these awesome, wonderful promises. Now, I don't know, have you ever heard of uh, something called hydrophobia? You know what hydrophobia is? Someone said the fear of water, and you're right. 
said rabies, and you're right. Now, I grew up in the South, and we've, there was a lot of rabied animals in there when I was a kid. You know, my dad always told me about it when he was growing up, and, and a dog that has rabies, they call it hydrophobia because the dog is afraid of water. The phobia is the fear part. The hydro is the water part. And dogs are afraid of water, but they're desperately thirsty. And they want it more than anything in life. But they're fearful of water. And they're miserable. And when a rabid animal comes around, it will bite you and tear you just because it's so miserable. Now, we killed a, a rabid raccoon here in the parking lot many years ago. And I've killed three rabid raccoons uh, you know, up on the mountain behind my house. And the thing about rabies, there is a treatment. It's a very arduous. It's a very difficult treatment, at least the way they used to do it, all these shots in your stomach and all. But without being treated, rabies is usually always fatal. Rabies is not a joke, but rabies is like sin. The, the, the animal that has rabies, what it wants most in life is water, is fearful of. And, and the lack of that makes him mad. That's, that's what they refer to it because he, he can't drink it, you know. And he's trying to find, like we do now, we're trying to find satisfaction in something. But sin is so miserable, you know, there's consequences to sin. And, and we don't want to do it, but we give in to it and it controls our life. And it makes us kind of mad to be honest with you when you think about it and we want forgiveness we want the mercy of almighty God forgiveness of our sins but a lot of people don't choose that they they got this phobia and they run from it they do all kinds of evil things but what we need to do because this is 100% guaranteed repentance is to turn from the sin and say yes to God turn to God And he will forgive you. And he will heal your broken heart. He will set you free. Because God genuinely loves you. You know. Here in Psalms 130. Verse 1 through 4. It's also known as the backsliders psalm. So let's just read that real quick. Out of the depths of distress. Out of the depths of distress. I have cried to you, O Lord. Cried out to you. Because I know you can hear me. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should keep an account of our sins. To to keep an account, to keep a record following every sin we've ever committed. If you, Lord, should keep an account of our sins. And treat us accordingly. Can you imagine what life would be like if God had kept an account? And I'm pretty convinced there is an account. Of every sin you've ever committed. But he said. And treat you accordingly. He said. If you O Lord. Should keep an account. Of our sins. And treat us. According to all those sins O Lord. Who could stand before you in judgment. And claim innocence. Nobody. Nobody could stand. If we had to give account of all the sins of our life. But there is forgiveness with you. Just say yes to Jesus. And let him forgive you. And turn from your sin. And turn to God. 
He said, but there is forgiveness with you. Nowhere else is there forgiveness. There's no other solution to the sin of our life that will separate us permanently from the almighty God who created us in the first place. But there is sin with, there is no sin. There is what? The forgiveness of sin with you that you may be feared. This is that reverential respect. That, that you may be feared and, and worshipped with submissive wonder. Is there a submissive wonder? Is there a humility when we go to God? Or do we make jokes about God and, and talk about it haphazardly and belittle Him and so forth? Or are we turning from the sin that's going to destroy us and turning to God and receiving the forgiveness that God sent His Son Jesus here to pay for? That's what I'm talking about. I think that that term, submissive wonder, I think that's a good description of what's happening at Asbury College. And a I think submissive that's a, wonder. I think it's also a good thing that we need to, you know, we need to return to the wonder of who God is and His majesty and His awesomeness. And He's forgiven us. He has forgiven us when you've asked and you've believed and you receive it as a gift that it, it is. Romans 6, verse 1 and two in the Amplified Bible. What shall we say to all this? Should we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit? Is it a good thing to have a bad habit? No. Bad habits can get us in a whole lot of trouble. And we do have a habit called sin until we repent. And we, we turn from our sin and we turn toward God. What shall we say to all this? Should we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit so that God's gift of grace may increase and overflow? So it just just gets more and more. And you know God. He's going to forgive you, you know. He's going to forgive what you do. Certainly not. How can we, the very ones who died to sin, continue to live in it any longer? No way. That's just, you know, this whole world is in pretty rotten shape right now. And who knows when we're going to face Almighty God face to face and give account of ourselves. It's no laughing matter. God loves us. He genuinely does. But he has written in his word and we may neglect it and not read it. But he tells us we must repent. We must turn from our sin and turn to God and he will forgive us and cleanse us. And he'll make us new creatures in Christ Jesus. He'll bring transformation in our life. That's what he's talking about. Let me see here. Oh, yeah. And this is in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And Jesus is teaching us to pray and ask for forgiveness. This is what he says. Pray like this. He said, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins. Forgive us. That's in the Lord's prayer. It's a prayer. Lord, forgive us our our sins. This is what it says. Forgive us our sins. As we have forgiven those who sin against us. Has anybody here ever had somebody sin against you? Yes. Have you forgiven them? Yes. I've had a lot of people genuinely tell me, hang on, forgive so-and-so. Never in my lifetime will I forgive so-and-so. You know what that means? You're not going to heaven. Did you know when you have unforgiveness in your heart toward a living soul, no matter how evil and bad they were, 
What did Jesus do to the people who crucified him? He said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And they were evil. And if we do not forgive somebody else, and we'll see it very clearly in just a moment, but if we don't forgive somebody else, you are not forgiven. You cannot go to heaven. I'm just telling you, you'll be left behind. You, you, you won't. There's only one other place to go to. Can we look at that again? Just that verse. Give us this today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And Forgive me the same way I've forgiven that jerk over there. That's God. Lord, would you do this? That's what the Lord's Prayer says. Forgive me the same way I've not forgiven that person who hurt me really, really, really bad. It doesn't mean that what they did was right. And it didn't mean that what the Roman soldiers did to Jesus was right when he forgave them. And he forgives us. And he forgives us of any sin we confess to him. And we've done some pretty serious sins, you think? Mm-hmm. In this whole world? I think so. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Is that an amazing passage? Mm-hmm. If you forgive those who sinned against you, no matter how evil it was, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. That's verse 15. That, that's what he says. And there's no way around that. Receiving forgiveness is linked to us forgiving others. Even the people who you may have made a vow. I'll never forgive so and so. You don't know what they did to me or my family. You don't know how horrible and how evil it was. It doesn't mean that it was right. It's just, I forgive them. Because Christ said, I had to do so. Now there was an old man... <clears throat> who having been persuaded that he was probably on his deathbed, he agreed by family members, he agreed to family members to forgive a neighbor who came to see him because he, he was bitter toward a neighbor. And uh, so he forgave the guy who came over there and they got things straightened out. And then as the guy was leaving, this guy who was on his deathbed, he cried out the window, he called out his window to his neighbor as he was leaving. And he says, hey, remember... If I get better, this forgiveness thing is called off. You think that was real forgiveness? No. It wasn't at all. And neither was something like that. It's not real forgiveness if if we act the same way. Anyhow, it says here in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Now, wait a minute. I've heard some of you using foul and abusive language. So if I've heard it, I think God has heard it too. What do you think? You notice how quiet it is in here? (laughs) When I was in junior high, I used foul and abusive language. Now my mom and dad and family didn't really know too much about it because I was smart enough not to do it at home. Because if I did it at home, I'd be picking myself up off the floor all the time. (laughs) But he says here, don't use foul and abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear you. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. By the way you live. 
by your lifestyle because you can be doing things every day, planning on it already today when you get home from church. You can do that, but God knows about it and there's consequences of that. So do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. We need to repent from our sin, turn from our sin, and turn to God. And we need to say yes to Jesus. He says, by the way you live, remember, he has identified you as his own. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. When you just say yes to Jesus, and you receive his forgiveness, and turn from our sins, and turn to God. He is so willing to pardon you, and to forgive you. He genuinely is so willing, and wants to. Get rid of all bitterness. And what percentage of, is One, all? 100%. Ever bitter? Because somebody did something to you? Get rid of all the bitterness and the rage. Anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Repent. Turn from those things. He says, get rid of it all. It has horrible consequences that affects us and the rest of those in our sphere of influence. And then he goes on to say, instead, verse 32. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. For, for forgiving one another? Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Say yes to Jesus and receive his forgiveness and then forgive those who have hurt you. By, by what you, when you forgive an evil person, it's not saying that they were right, not at all, but it's preventing you from being hurt by them as well. You know, not, not far from New York City is a cemetery with a grave that just has one word on the headstone. There's nothing else. Just one word on the headstone. No name, no date of birth, no date of death. No word of praise for the departed. Just one word on the headstone. And it says, forgiven. And I can live with that. If Jesus... Don't call me out of here first, but if he just takes me on to heaven and y'all continue going on, that's what I want on my tombstone. Mm -hmm. Forgiven. Mm -hmm. Forgiven. That's the best word we could ever have on a stone above our head. Oh, you can have other things there too, but forgiven will make people stop and think about that. A scripture that tells how it happens. But I do believe that Jesus, if if he was to, to put a uh, a message on your tombstone that said forgiven, I believe you'd put another word up there along with it. I, I, I really do, you know, when you think about it. Let's, let's read this passage here and then we'll point that one out. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. And that's talking about infinitely many. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. And he had no means to ever pay millions of dollars off. There was no way he could, but he's promising because he's desperate. But the way he's acting gets the attention of the king 
But then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But then the man left the king. When the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. And, and that servant, given time, he could have raised a, a few thousand dollars and paid that off. But the other guy owed millions and he could have never paid that off. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you? He called him what? An evil servant. Because he would not forgive. Mm-hmm. And, and you got to understand that that holds true with us. God calls you an evil servant if you have bitterness and resentment and refuse to forgive someone who's hurt you. And it will keep you out of heaven. Then the king called the man that he had forgiven and said, he called in the man who had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have mercy on you? Yes, is the answer to that question. He, we just read the scripture about forgive as yep. Christ has forgiven you. Then the angry king sent to the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Now, I know it's kind of hard to believe, but God's word says if we have unforgiveness in our heart toward anybody else and we refuse to forgive them. And what they've done was probably really horrible, 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 horrible. But if we don't forgive them, God says we will be turned over to the tortures. And one of the, the implements that the torturer uses is sickness and poverty. He says here, you will be turned over to the torture until he had paid the entire debt. How can you pay a debt when you're being tortured? Hmm. You, you, you can't raise the money. You, you can't earn the money here at all. And then you say, well, I just don't believe that God would do that to us. What's the last verse here say? Verse 35 says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. We must turn from our sins and turn to God and receive the forgiveness that he so wonderfully offers unto us. He forgives us all and he'll forgive your enemy as well if they will believe and receive it. But if we're not willing to forgive those who've hurt us, he said, we will be turned over to the tortures. Now, have you ever heard of Booker T. Washington? Mm-hmm. Probably a history class, you know. Booker T. Washington was a great man. He was a black man. He was a great man, a great educated man. And he pretty much did it on his own accord, you know. But he became a very forgiving man when he, he met and said yes to Jesus. He became a, became a forgiving, very forgiving man. And I'm thinking, this is President's Day President's Weekend. I don't know if you do that or not, but I think that our president and all of his staff 
And all the politicians should do a little bit of research on Booker T. Washington. You know, he was a black man and, uh, you know, his family and his loved ones were, were raised in slavery, you know, and things like that. Uh, but he said, I, I, I believe I have completely, and I studied up on him, he said, I believe I have completely rid myself of any ill feeling toward the southern white man. For any wrong he may have inflicted upon my race, I pity from the bottom of my heart any individual who is so unfortunate as to get into the habit of holding race prejudiced. I've embraced the miracle of forgiveness. And he forgave the people who had murdered his people. And we see people here in our nation right now who are trying to stir up, you know, uh, fights between races. Trying to stir them up to hate each other and to fight against each other. We see people intentionally doing that. And I think they could learn something from Booker T. Washington. And he only learned it from Jesus. When he said yes to Jesus, he received the forgiveness of God. And then he forgave all those who had ever hurt him or his particular race of people. He was a godly man. And he accomplished much for God and for his kingdom. He genuinely did. C.S. Lewis points out that everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has someone to forgive. You know, we were just reading the scripture in Psalms that says, Oh, what joy... For those whose sin is forgiven, whose you know uh, sins have been canceled out, and you know, last week we were talking about joy. You know, many times when God is doing something in our hearts, you know, the enemy comes right away and tries to steal whatever it is that God has done in our heart. And I think it was on Tuesday; it was Valentine's Day, and I don't even remember what we, Ronnie and I, were talking about, but somehow there was a, a misunderstanding and a disagreement that arose between us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just kept pushing back. I was, I was standing my ground, you know, even though it was wrong. And uh, so anyway, I think just to get away from me, he went down into the guest room downstairs where sometimes we go when we just need some quiet to study. And I, I knew that my attitude was wrong. And that I had pushed and I had pushed, you know, just expressing my view and, and uh, that I had done it in the wrong... This past week. Yeah, yeah. On, I think it was on Tuesday, yeah. on Valentine's Day. And so I, I went into our bedroom and I was praying. I said, God, I, I don't know how to, how to make this right. I don't know what to do. But I immediately felt my joy leave when I began that process of putting back, pushing back. You know, not physically, but verbally. Um, and so I, I asked God, what do I need to do? How, how do I repent from this? How do I change the tone of what's going on between Ronnie and I? And, and I just felt God speaking in his still, small voice, go wash his feet. And I'm like, what? <laughs> go wash his feet? No, that, that, couldn't, that couldn't be God telling me to go wash his feet. Why should I, you know? 
But I knew the implications of doing that. To wash his feet would be humbling myself. It would not be pushing back in pride anymore. It would be humbling myself and being willing to serve and to be willing to repent and to be willing to say that I was wrong in my attitude. So I went into the living room. It was dark in there, and I just knelt down to pray and say, God, I can't, can't, just can't do this on my own. I need your help. I need your strength. I need to just know how to carry it out, you know, how to to do this. So I found a plastic container um, that I could put water in. I got an empty jug of hot water, warm water, not hot. Um, Found a bar of soap and a washcloth and a towel and and in the meantime, he was coming up and down the stairs, and I was trying to conceal what I was trying to do. Um, but anyway, um, once he was back down in, in the bedroom down there, I, I went down there and, and knelt down before him. And, and that in itself was not an easy task because my, my knees are not in that great a shape. But um, I knelt down before him, and I washed his feet and cried. Um, and asked him to forgive me, and I repented from my bad attitude and from my my pride, my pushing back with my words, my not willing to be in agreement with him, and and said the things that I knew in my heart that I needed to say that I, I would be a better wife and I would be a better friend. I would be a better everything that I needed to be, a better helpmeet to him. And and it was a very uh, a very wonderful but humbling moment. But it changed something inside of me that you know in in, in a marriage you find those times when you just you just stand your ground, you push back, you let pride rise up, and you. You feel like I, I, I have a right to be heard, so shut up and listen. You know, but that's that's not God's way, you know, and and what joy when our sins are forgiven. What joy. You know, and the joy came right back, you know, as quickly as it had left me when I started blabbing my mouth, you know. It came back as quickly when I asked God to forgive me and I asked Ronnie to forgive me and got things right. So whatever relationship, you know, ask God what relationships you may need to mend. Is there somebody you need to ask to forgive you? Or is there somebody that you need to forgive? Don't don't allow unforgiveness to grow in your heart. Because it's only going to torture you. It's not going to hurt them near as much as it's going to hurt you. But also we, we don't want to allow our sin to become a source of someone else that we love being tortured. Because we need to go to them and say, please forgive me for what I've done. Thank you. This is my best friend. 100%. You know, there was a dad who had placed a 
an ad in a newspaper just over the weekend. And it said, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the news office at noon. Now Paco had left home. Not in a very positive way. He was angry, he was rebellious, and he fled from his home. And the article that the dad said, meet me in front of the news office at noon. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. And this was in Spain. This actually happened. And on the day when Paco if he had read the article, was going to meet his dad, 800 Pacos showed up. All were seeking the forgiveness from their father. And I believe that we're seeking forgiveness from our father God. Excuse me just a second. An article I came across, and I was absolutely amazed by the guy's name. His name was George Thomas, and he was a pastor in a small town in New England. Aren't we in New England? Uh Connecticut. And he was a pastor, and on Easter morning, one morning, he came into the church carrying a birdcage. It was a little bit rustier and, and more bent up than this one. And then he began to tell, he said, on the way to church this morning, I was coming down the sidewalk, and there was a, a, a boy, and he was uh, carrying this birdcage, and he was swinging it, and it had three birds in it. Just some wild birds, and they were on the bottom of it. And I said, hey, what you doing? He said, I got me some birds here. And the pastor said, what you going to do with them? He said, I'm going to have me some fun. I'm going to take them and I'm going to pull out their feathers and, and, and try to get them to fight each other. And all kinds of horrible things he had planned for those birds. And, and then the pastor said, well, what you going to do with them after you do that? And he said... I've got cats at home, and I'm going to give the birds to the cats. And the pastor, his next words were, how much you want for them? And the kid said, mister, you don't want these birds. These are just normal old wild birds. They don't even have a song. They don't sing. They're really not pretty. You know, they wouldn't give you any pleasure Whatsoever, and then the pastor said again, he said, how much you want for him? And the kid was like, hmm, well, I have a situation here. It could be for my advantage. And he said, 10 bucks. And the pastor immediately pulled out a $10 bill and gave it to the kid. And the kid looked at the pastor and looked at it, and he ran and gave the pastor 
the birdcage and the birds. And the pastor walked on, going toward his church, and there was a little alley, and he walked down the, the alley, and there was a tree, and there was a grassy place there, and he set the, the, the bird house down in such a way that he could prop open the doors. And then he gently bumped on the side of the the uh, birdcage, and they all flew off. And they seemed so happy. Anyhow, the pastor, he, he brought the birdcage in. It was on Easter morning, I might have said that. And he sat it down. And he was telling his congregation about what happened. He said, now I want to tell you my story. He said, uh, the devil and Jesus were having a conversation. And he said, the Jesus, uh, the, the devil was very gleeful, sneering and very gleeful. He said, I just trapped all the people on earth. I trapped them all. Got them in a trap. I used the right bait and I caught them. And then Jesus said, what are you going to do with them? He said, I'm going to teach them how to hate each other and to break covenants and and to hurt each other and, and to lie and to steal and so forth. And Jesus said to the devil, he said, how much you want for them people? And the devil said, them people don't do you no good. They only going to hurt you. They will spit on you and they will hurt you and they will insult you. But then the devil had an idea. And Jesus says, how much you want for them? And the devil said, I want your life. I want all your blood. And Jesus immediately paid for it. And that's why I'm behind that film screen. Uh, screen. Screen. There's a cross up there. We got crosses all around, and we remember that Jesus did die. And he had a reason. And it was for all of us people to forgive us. And Jesus paid for all of our sins. He genuinely paid for all of our sins. And he set us free for all the sins in our life. He set us free so we can have this thing that's called an abundant life. A life that has been transformed. And, and, and the misery is being taken away. And he does give us hope a confident expectation for the future. When we just simply just say yes to Jesus. He loves us. Sometimes we don't understand all that Jesus did for us. We don't understand how much God genuinely loves and cares for us. And what it costs Jesus to pardon us and forgive us. As far as I get older and older, I fall more in love with God than I ever did before because I'm getting to know him a little bit better every day. And he is so good to us and to people that we introduce him to. Well, we're pretty much done here. Think so? 
I, I'd like, I mean, I have a lot more to share, but I just can't do it. But I would like to, re, you know, reaffirm our, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and those who are watching online. You know, there's sometimes when we had said that, you know, going to church, just that simple act does not get you into heaven. You don't. You know, and there's, there may be people that have gone to church and gone to church faithfully, even people that have read their Bible, but they have never accepted Christ as their Savior, as we have talked about today. Right. And today would be the time, whether you're watching online or here in this building, to say yes to Jesus concerning salvation. If you haven't ever done that, that's your next step. That's today. And so I'd like you to reaffirm your faith with me in Jesus. Sometimes our relationship gets a little bit distant or a little bit cold. And to reaffirm our faith in him that I really do love you and I, I have said yes to you. To reaffirm the, the commitments that we have made. And maybe if you're, you're here or you're watching online and you've never done that. Today is the day to declare your faith to Christ. And receive the forgiveness that he promises us. He he gave his life blood to forgive you because he loves you so much. So if you would just bow your heads with me and if you would just pray, and I'd like you to pray out loud. Even if you're watching online, wherever you're at, Jesus died for you publicly. They stripped him naked and they beat him publicly and they crucified him publicly in front of everybody. And he did that for you. We don't need to be ashamed of Jesus. So I would ask you if you would join me in a simple prayer. <coughs> Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And he gave his life blood. And he gave his life blood. To wash all my sins away. To wash all my sins away. And he rose from the dead. And he rose from the dead. And is knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide those doors. And I open wide those doors. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Jesus. Into my life. Into my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. And as my Lord. And as my Lord. And as my King. And as my King. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.